Hello and welcome to From the Ground Up Podcast, a podcast where we discuss key doctrines of the Christian faith, all while keeping Christ as the cornerstone in every aspect of it. I'm Seth Bridgman, your host. Welcome to our show. From the Ground Up podcast, again, I am Seth Bridgman, the host, and with me is Dylan, Mason, and Cody. We do not have a guest this uh, round, it's just the four amigos back at it again. That's right. How are we, fellas? Doing well. Pretty well. Nothing to yeah. complain about at the moment. Yeah, doing you know? good. So. Doing good. <laughs> good deal. So, um, before we jump into our uh, subject today, which is general versus special revelation... We are all avid outdoorsmen, uh, and more so than that, we are all avid hunters. So what is your favorite animal to hunt, and why? Who goes first? Go for it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, my favorite animal to pursue is the duck. Um, <laughs> the way you said it, the, the, the duck, duck. The, just duck. the the duck. More the specifically, mallard ducks, uh, because we live in Arkansas, and Arkansas is very famous for green timber duck hunting, and uh, and it's so it's, you don't it's shovelers. Uh, I'll shoot. A, I mean, that's a different kind of greenhead, I guess. Uh, I mean, I'll shoot a shot. I, I don't discriminate, man. I'll shoot a coot. I've shot a coot before. Um, yeah. And countless numbers of Tweety Birds, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> if it's in the Urban sky. The population. Yeah, uh, crows, yeah, they're they're on the... No, but I like, I like shooting mallards. Gotcha. Cody? Hmm. Well... I have I haven't been duck hunting in, in a while, but it is is very enjoyable. But I, I will say, and a lot of people I know will agree with me on this: deer hunting is one of my favorite things because there's just like you see deer going throughout the day, like it's no big deal. But when you're you're there and you're intense to hunt them, and then you see that one walk out, just the adrenaline rush that you get, and how nervous that you can still get, even if you've done it a million times. And so uh, I just really enjoy you know, being able to, to pursue a good deer hunt. So Mason, what about you? Well, I too am more of a duck hunter than anything. Um, although I haven't been, I guess it went once last year. So not, not really <laughs> avid by, by the definition. Um, I think I went 20 times last year. Yeah. So you got me beat there. You probably <laughs> killed a lot more than I did too, considering I, I killed I not. It's been, <laughs> hey, it's been rough. It's been rough it's, the yeah, past two years. Rough. You haven't missed out on a lot. Um, but I will say the the first type of hunting that my dad ever took me on was was rabbit hunting, and I thought it was pretty boring because the dogs that we had then were not very good and ended up just chasing each other instead of chasing rabbits. But I have been on probably really just one good rabbit hunt, and I have to say it was pretty exciting. Like the the dogs ran the races really well. Uh, I think we ended up killing six or seven, uh, and it was it was really a fun time. So if, if if we could do more of that, then rabbit hunting has a chance. To, to top duck hunting, but I would say duck hunting is still my favorite. Yeah, I uh, I enjoy all forms of hunting. I like duck hunting. I really, really enjoy deer hunting. It's one thing to shoot a duck, but whenever you take down a 150-ish pound deer, there's a whole lot more, I guess, involved with that. I really like squirrel hunting, uh, but I'm kind of with Mason. Like, I like 
rabbit hunting a whole lot. It's when you get a good set of dogs and a good race going, and you've only got a split second to shoot the rabbit in front of you as it runs by. Like there's that's pretty exhilarating. That and also like, and I guess that's the main reason why I like duck hunting so much is there's a whole lot of uh, talking and discussing that's involved. You know, you don't have to be quiet like you do with deer hunting and even really with squirrel hunting. I mean, mm-hmm. you can joke and laugh around, you know, joke around, laugh, talk about whatever uh, while you're waiting for the next bird or rabbit to come by. So there's my two cents. Yeah, I just think that a group of, you know, 30 or 40 mallards flying through the trees, it just, it's far superior than just shooting a 150-pound animal. I, I, now... Have I will you say, shot yes, I have, and it it just doesn't do it for me, man. Hey. Like, like I there's been times where you know ducks are coming through the trees and they're almost hitting you in the face and stuff like that. I mean, come on, <laughs> I don't know. that's too like, cool. I've shot plenty of ducks, and I have zero problem functioning after shooting a duck. But like, if you shoot a deer <laughs> and then you have to ride out a tag after shooting a deer, like <laughs> yeah. I can't. My adrenaline is pumping so much, I can't even ride out a tag. A type of hunting that I think that I would get really, really, it would probably be bad for me if I got into it, would be uh, elk hunting with a bow. Mm. Like out in Utah and stuff like that. Like that would just be so much fun. Having to get that close to an animal that That's, large. Yeah, that would oh, it would be, be so much fun. one of my bucket lists is to kill uh, northern elk. Oh, yes. Oh, I mean, you can so go to, you know, pay money and stay here in the state and kill one, but I mean, you're basically just... Yeah, pouring out corn and calling it by name and then cutting his throat. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go up there where, you know, they... Yeah, where they camp up yeah, in the mountains like, for like a week. You're, you're killing elk that have probably never seen a person before. Yeah. Oh, like, that'd be so awesome. Yeah. That would be so awesome. I don't really have a desire to kill a moose. No, they're dangerous, man. man. Have you... They're dangerous. So you know Steve Ranella from Meteor. That's correct. Have you seen the video where he shoots the moose and he goes in after it and it turns on him yes. and charges over top of it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that I, just, I don't think I'm. I, to I don't have a desire to moose hunt. I don't have a desire to uh, grizzly. grizzly bear. You don't, don't want to go hunt the. Grizzly. I don't want to go hunt the grizzly, man. I've like, seen too many videos of people bow hunting grizzly, and it just doesn't end up well. Like what? Hey, what? I watched a video what yesterday, actually yesterday, of a guy black bear hunting with a blowgun. And he killed it in one shot. Just why? <laughs> why? Why? I what possesses just someone? Just to say that you can do it? Who yeah, knows I guess. Best? I guess so. But, I mean, it, Pride. It Pride went, goeth before the fall, the, the I'm bear, sure. He shot it, and he's using these, like, they look like big arrow broadheads with, like, these sucker things on the back of them. Yeah. One shot, and that bear did not make it 30 yards. Oh, my gosh. I wonder if he had to go through uh, some breathing some exercise. lung training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get set enough pipes on him. Yeah. <laughs> Mercy. Uh-huh. All right. Well, um, so today we're doing general versus special revelation, uh, which is one that I'm actually pretty excited about. Um, we're kind of getting built up on our uh, essential doctrines from Christ's cornerstone, uh, but we definitely have to hit this one uh, to go any further. So. I guess, Mason, we'll start with you with the first question. Um, Why don't you go ahead and define general revelation and why it's important? Okay, so for my definition of general revelation, um, I've got it down as the act of God revealing himself in general to uh, the entire population of the world. So what I mean by in general is not specific 
things about himself, but basically his general nature, um, mainly creator, um, through, through things that are immediately obvious and apparent to every person that's, that's, that's walked the earth or every person that's been on the earth. Um, I'm studying, um, I found a couple of different types of general revelation we won't really get into, um, cause I don't think we're, we're here for that, but, um, mainly it's mainly what we see is nature. Um, you see this throughout scripture and Psalms 19, ch- uh, chapter 19, verse one, uh, it says the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, I think we, we talked about this, um, I don't remember which podcast, but I mentioned the three chapters in Job where God talks about all of his work in, in nature. Um, and, and then a, another one um, would be, and I don't know, we, this may go into a different, we've talked about this beforehand, um, but Romans 2.15 where uh, Paul talks about the that the law is written on, on the hearts of the Gentiles. He's talking about how the Gentiles don't know um, the, they don't have the, the law of the Jews, but they still, there's still this conscious that they have. There's still this, this, um, sense of right and wrong that, that pretty much all people are given. Um, uh, that's a part, that's just kind of a part of our human nature is what a, a humanist would say. Mm, yeah. Um, so I, in doing the, the kind of the research and stuff to try to define this, I found in the, uh, in the Belgic Confession, um, some of you people may not have heard of the Belgic Confession. Uh, you know, I have my sources. <laughs> um, but th- what the Belgic Confession is, is that it's used in a lot of Dutch Reformed churches uh, as kind of their, their confession of faith. Um, and it says this in, I believe it's chapter 1. Um, uh, general, or the Belgic Confession says, you know, by the creation preservation and government of the universe, which is before our eyes as a most elegant book, wherein all create or all creatures, great and small, are as so many characters leading us to see clearly, and as Romans one twenty says, the invisible things of God and his everlasting power and divinity. Um, I think that was, I think that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good definition of, you know, kind of what, what general revelation is. Um, and in general revelation is important to us and all of humanity, really, uh, because as kind of Mason alluded to, um, it points to the creator. Um, now, we'll talk about a little bit later the special revelation that points us to the Savior. But generally, all of mankind is without excuse of acknowledging that there is a creator. We look at nature. We look at mankind in itself. And all of that points to points to a creator. Well, just to add to that, because y'all covered um, quite a bit there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, general God revealed to all people about Himself. You know, through external creation and also uh, internal human experiences. So not only the way that we just see things, but also the way we experience the world too. Um, so the way that it's set up and, and organized in a way for us to be able to benefit from it. Um, it would be enough, uh, ex- you know, to understand that this just didn't happen by happenstance, but it was created. Um, so if we look in Romans chapter one, uh, and, and I believe it's uh, specifically verses 19 through 20, 
It says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and in things that have been made. So they're, they are without excuse. Um, this gives, you know, just shows that God designed his creation in a way that and also laid it on the hearts of man, like Mason um, said, that we would desire to, one, know what is created, but two, to understand that it was created. And so, um, that's a, you know, and also, like Mason mentioned in uh, Psalms 19.1, um, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims his handiwork. You know, that's the Bible itself um, speaks to um, the intent of God and his creation so that we would um, be able to, you know, understand him to some extent through it. So, Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, if you really want to super in-depth, we're not going to spend too much time on general revelation, if you want a super in-depth look at general revelation, you can go back to uh, Mason alluded to in our second episode, which was creation ex nihilo, uh, and we, you know, we discuss God's creating nature and how He imprinted Himself onto nature. So that's a really good one to listen to to get a, a broader uh, view of general revelation. I would, I would uh, say and affirm, yeah, the not only nature but also the moral code written on the hearts of men mm-hmm. um, just being made in the likeness of God you know it's not that God decided what was moral and what wasn't moral um, moral is what God is and so when he created us and our his image was implanted in us those morals were written on our hearts and so yeah I, I would agree with, with all of that and it's important because there's no one that can say they've never seen evidence of God. I mean, just the natural order of things, you know, screams to his to his glory and to his, you know, creation. So uh, so moving on from there, we'll hit question two. Cody, I'll let you start it out. Um, so kind of briefly explain special revelation just in a sentence or two. So we can kind of move on. And then just kind of explain, you know, what are some of the different types of special revelation? Uh, so for me, special, you know, the way I look at special revelation is the um, intent God used to uh, provide to man for us to understand him um, further than just understanding that there's God, but how to get to know God and, you know, enter a relationship with him. And so to me, that's special revelation. And there really can be only one true special revelation, and that's the word of God. You, you take a look at um, John 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so um, through those means, um, since uh, being a creation and him meeting with Moses and starting to document, you know, the, the things that transpired um, and what his relationship was with those people. He was uh, revealing himself throughout the scriptures. And so um, it's um, building that special revelation um, with him. And so also, if you look in second Timothy, when second Timothy versus uh, or chapter three, verse 16, which I think we're probably going to hit a lot um, here in the near future. Um, Yes, but so that verse uh, states all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that um, man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
So, uh, right there, um, we we see that you know the whole whole tent for for scripture. It's breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching and reproof, and for us to grow in righteousness and be equipped for every work possible. So, um, you said a couple of sentences. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could get a couple of sentences, but uh, you know, I, I kind of want to take it uh, sort of a step back. Um, I believe now special revelation is given to us by uh, the word of God accompanied with the Holy spirit. Now, in let's go back to the old Testament. You know, how did God reveal himself to different people, to different people groups? Well, he came to the prophets and he came to them directly. So in biblical times, there was a sense of direct revelation. Uh, that that we don't see now because we have the 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 word of God, um, and if we look at you know uh, to back that claim, if we look at Hebrews one, and <laughs> ah, Mason got gotcha. you. If we look at Hebrews one and verse one and two, it says, "Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son." whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And then from that text, we can look at the Son, go back to John 1, 1, and say, okay, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, so we have the Word now. There, the Word accompanied by the Holy Spirit is what gives us this special revelation instead of some sort of, divine direct revelation god coming to you in your dreams or you know what what have you yeah i agree with what dylan said especially since he stole my verse there hebrews <laughs> Sorry, chapter man. one i know it's uh, it wasn't his to steal that's true it was especially Fair. given to us by god so, <laughs> that's right um, <laughs> uh, so i yeah i agree with what both cody and, and dylan have said that special revelation um is God revealing himself directly and specifically in specific ways and revealing specific attributes about himself directly to uh, individuals or people groups. Um, like Dylan mentioned, in the Old Testament times, um, he revealed himself to the prophets. Um, he also revealed himself not only to the Israelites but to the nations around them via his miracles um, and the words that he gave his prophets to speak to other um, to other kings and, and stuff. If you read through, I'm reading through Ezekiel right now personally, um, and I think, a couple books ago and Jeremiah talks about, he gives specific instructions for Jeremiah to go speak to other Kings or in, in the nations surrounding Israel. So, um, God gave direct word to the prophets to go to other people, not just the Israelites, but, um, like Dylan mentioned in, in Hebrews, uh, chapter one, um, it, it, it kind of leads up to there were the prophets and then he sent his son, um, who is the penultimate re uh, revelation of, of God. I mean, he's God incarnate. He's the word become flesh. Um, so, so we, we had all these things and the Israelites had all these things, in the old Testament that were good, that were, were revelations of God to his people. But then you have the word made flesh, which is the ultimate revelation of God to the world. Um, and, and so that, that, being scripturalized and put in the scriptures becomes our ultimate and, and highest level of revelation to this day, being the word of God and the story of Jesus and, and that of his apostles that, that came after him. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I went off of Hebrews 1 as well. First through the prophets. That was where the first rendition of um, special revelation came from. And then through the Son, where I... Where I see that going is the Son 
taught the apostles. Mm-hmm. And the apostles then chronicled and wrote down everything that Jesus had one commanded them, but also taught them. And so we see through the writings of the prophets, with the addition of the writings of not believers, but the writings of the apostles, under the strict orders of Jesus Christ, we see the words of the Son come about. And so there's only, that I can say, two two instances of special revelation. See it through a prophet, divinely inspired by the Spirit of God, or it is through an apostle, still divinely inspired through the Spirit of God, but under the strict direction of the man, Jesus Christ. And so I guess the only one that would be um, an exception to that would be Paul, because technically he wasn't given that direction under the man, Jesus Christ, but of the full deity um, in, through the vision, but still confirmed through the apostles. So, for me, it was standard reason. Those are the only two ways to get it. Yeah, do you think, um, with that being said, I mean, you said prophets and apostles. So, are there prophets and apostles today? Jumping ahead, Dylan. Oh, Not really, sorry. Though. Go ahead and start that question. Is special revelation still given today? Uh, yeah, special revelation is still given today, and kind of the cornerstone of that would be what we previously talked about in question two, um, you know, in Hebrews one, and then even more so we look at John one, one, when it alludes to the word becoming flesh. Um, and so the very word of God is what is revealed today. By when we receiving new special revelation. Uh, I knew he was going to change this question. Mm. I knew it. I knew it. I prepared for it. Okay, so, yeah. no. So he's asking his new special revelation. I mean, because technically the word has, was, the, the Bible that we have was given around 2,000 years ago. We haven't seen really any additions to it from that. Yeah, so um, if there is any new revelation, so if we look in the book of Revelations, at the very end it talks about adding to the Word of God. I see a quote, new revelation as trying to add to the very Word of God. And uh, that's that's an apostasy. That, that can't happen. So if somebody comes to you with some sort of new teaching or new, I've received a new revelation from God, I would that, that, that doesn't happen today. We have everything that we need in the canonical scriptures here. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of building up what you just said. Um, a lot of what I've listened to lately in, in studying up for this is one of the attacks today where we see what what's called new special revelation. They won't call it that, but new age. New, new age, new, yeah. Age, yeah. Is, new, is, new spirituality. Right, is, yeah. is that they believe that the Bible is insufficient, that the Word of God isn't, relevant or doesn't pertain to you know the culture today mm-hmm. so we need something new something fresh and that's that's just a bold-faced lie like the bible is all sufficient that's basically saying well jesus is good but he's not really sufficient enough for today yeah. and that's that's just not the truth um the truth is that the bible is 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 perfectly sufficient uh, for everything. So, so I, I, I totally agree with what Dylan said. If it's new, if someone says I have something new run, I mean, that's not, it is not biblical. Yeah. Um, for me on that, you know, I'm, 
I understand the way he was looking at it originally. So, I mean, special revelation is given to us today through the Word and the Word only, yes. Um, but Accompanied is, by the is, Holy Spirit. We, we cannot leave out the Holy Spirit with that. So, just putting that out there. So, the the Bible, um, you know, is complete, um, and there's, yeah, nothing that is going to be added to it. Um, and so... You know, before, like, you know, they, they spoke before, spoken through the prophets and now, um, and then through the apostles. And then as far as additions to the scripture, I think it, the Bible speaks very clearly about that. When you look at um, Deuteronomy uh, 4, verse 2, and then it's also pretty much mirrored in Deuteronomy 12, 32. Um, it says, you, not sh- you shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Um, so it's pretty. It's pretty clear there. Also, Proverbs uh, thirty-five through six: um, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His word, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. Ooh. So yeah, there, there's Ooh. some some harsh uh, warnings in the Scripture there um, about adding to uh, God's word, and so um, you know I think it's it's pretty clear um, in that regard. So what you got? Yeah. Um, so we. I know some New Age believers talk about still having prophets. I've actually met people that I've worked with that have been prayed over and spoken over by, air quotes, prophets. <laughs> but if you read in Hebrews 1, I mean, if, if we're going to say we're Christians, we got to believe, and we'll get into this, the inerrant Word of God, that there's no mistakes given by God. It says, long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. And there's a transition. In these last days, you could put a but in there. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And so we see that when Jesus Christ came onto the scene in human nature, that was the the end of prophets. That was the, the end of line of prophets. And so to declare any more prophets after Jesus is to just go right in the face of Scripture and say that this is incorrect. Yeah, what would you need prophets for when the very Word of God is now with you? Yep. You, you? You don't need prophets. I mean, you have the Word of God. Yeah. The, the Word of God has been revealed per John 1. 1. You, you don't need any more divine, new, special revelation. And you the know? thing about, so the reason why we accept writings from the apostles as scriptures because they were under direct guidance by Jesus Christ to yep. write these things down. Yep. And so there's there's no more apostles. John was the last one. That's right. He was the last one to live, and, and he died uh, in like 90 AD. There's no such thing as apostolic secession. There's no more apostles after that. That That's a dead and, and ended... Um, office in the church. Yep. And so there's no more prophets because Jesus ended that. And the only other people that had authority to write scripture were apostles under the direct physical decree of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ hasn't been on this earth physically since he was resurrected. Yep. So there's no more apostles. So if that stands to reason there, that since there's no more prophets and there's no more apostles, there can be no more scripture written. That's right. That's right. And so special revelation, yes, it's still given today by the written words of the prophets 
and of Jesus Christ. Yep. And that's it. Can we all agree on that? Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, Mason, he he wrote something down a while ago. I think it I think it needs to be mentioned. Um, you know, talking about kind of the whole quote new age type movement. You know, there's this whole notion of let's see, you know, what the Bible means to me. Well, it doesn't matter what it means to you. It's not about you. It's not about you. That's right. You're not David, okay? <laughs> but but yeah, I think I think that whole, you know, the what the Bible means to me is some sort of Pelagian type fluid belief that it's like, oh, you know well it's what's whatever, you know, man. And you gotta be careful. It's it's really common among young believers and Absolutely. among new believers that Absolutely. when they're starting to read the scriptures. I, and I say this because I did this. Like oh, yeah. I, this isn't me pointing the finger at others. When I I can and it still shames me, but I remember being a freshman Bible study leader in college asking guys what did this passage of scripture mean to them and and it still makes me you know (laughs) i mean i think cringe you know yeah yeah. but but exactly what dylan was saying it's it's not about you don't read yourself into the story Mm -hmm. you know it's it's not you have to take it all in context with um with the interpretation of the holy spirit that helps you to uh, interpret and understand what what was being written plus your own study uh, figuring out what the context is you know who was it written to? Who was it written by? What was the situation? Uh, all of that is very important when it comes to interpreting and understanding and studying Scripture. And without it, you can take individual verses out of context and and twist and distort and totally miss the message of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most instances when there's somebody, you know, whether it be somebody doesn't like a portion of it or they try to um you know put into their own their own emotions mm-hmm. into things more times than not it's that they took that particular passage out of contents uh, just one to um to kind of cater to their own personal feelings yeah they want <laughs> um, to appease themselves yes yeah, to appease themselves make themselves feel better about it whatever mm-hmm. it may be i mean and also just being naive because yeah. you know as you're as you're learning and growing that's, that's it can one thing definitely that, be done out of ignorance yes yeah and you know how many people like i, well, I know we've mentioned this maybe more than once is philippians 4 13 oh, i can do all things through christ that strengthens me so i can go you know lift this car up because if i could just believe enough that, you know <laughs> like did you read everything yeah. <laughs> you read <laughs> the book of philippians because you know what the book of philippians about it's, hey, I know you're getting your teeth kicked in by the Roman legionnaires right now, but take heart because Jesus has your eternal salvation secured. That's and right. You can get through this and and maintain your salvation through all these hardships because it's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. Yep. And that's how we got to read Scripture is not what does this Scripture mean to me, but what does this Scripture mean in reference to Jesus? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah if, if you're not examining Scripture that way and Jesus being the center point, you know, and as you study the scripture and as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, you just understand more and more that from the beginning to the very end, from you know cover to cover, Jesus is the focal point. Um, and it may not be as clearly revealed, you know, as it is in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, it was still there. And as you understand more about the um, the character of God and His intent, you start to see. Um, you know that it, it was Christ, and so as you start developing, you, you realize that that 
that has to be the the central focus. And I know that we we started the whole um, shebang off with Christ as cornerstone, and so that's exactly why we did that is because. Jesus is the center focus. It doesn't matter what else you may you may think. You can't put yourself into that place because, for one thing, you know, you know that two thousand years, you know, or more, um, you know, while they have some similar problems, it, it may not be a perfect solution to your exact place and time. But because that's because you're inserting yourself into the scripture and not using Jesus as a focal point. So, one hundred percent. That's the that's a prime example of mishandling the special revelation that God has given us. Uh, well, it's just so common, man. I mean, every major feel-good... Do we want to go this far? Yeah. Uh, every major feel-good preacher, their, their one thing is, you know, David and Goliath. You are David, and you got to sling your spiritual stones, and Matt Chandler does an amazing job of this. At, at your Goliath, and, and you know he's going to fall. If you really want to insert yourself in that story, you put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites. You're scared, hiding behind God, peeing your pants because you can't do anything. And God comes in and He slays sin and death, mm-hmm. and you did nothing. Yep. You coward and you blasphemed, and that's all you contributed. But God, in His mercy and His grace, stepped in and saved you from the thing that was causing you so much terror and grief and was killing you. So if you really want to insert yourself in those stories, you put yourself in the low position of, I did nothing, and God did everything. Yep. Yeah, well, once you get to that, well, I guess, should I should I give the backstory? Because you alluded to Matt Chandler. Of the, sure, okay, uh, so he, he mentioned Matt Chandler, and then we kind of mentioned earlier, you know, you're not David or whatever. Okay, so... Uh, there's a very prominent figure um, in today's church. Uh, I'm not going to say his name because I, I don't want to do that. But uh, several years ago, he held a conference, and uh, Matt Chandler he was a he knew the guy pretty well, and I and I think he was pastoring a church that was uh, pretty close to his church. It was in North Carolina, um, but uh, and Matt and this guy, I mean, they're polar opposites when it comes to you know, belief and stuff. And Matt, you know, came up to him and was like, Hey man, we, you know, we need to get together. We need to come together, yada, 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 yada. And so he invites him to this conference that they were putting on. And so he makes the statement, like his opening gambit is that, uh, you know, we don't need to insert ourselves into scripture because you're not David. And after that, they shut the live stream off and tried to completely delete the video of him giving that, that sermon at that conference. Because it didn't appease to the masses of that specific congregation, ain't that crazy? Yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a complete side story. But completely, but it holds <laughs> true that it's the it's the Bible, what we have now, yep. the writings of the prophets and of the words of Jesus given to us. There's nothing else to be added. Why? Because there's. There's nothing else that we need. That's right. Hmm. That's right. Salvation is found. Everything that is necessary for, and um, I had this written down for later on, but I, I mean, it's applicable now. Everything that is needed for justification and for sanctification is found in these 66 books. That's right. We hmm. don't need any more. We haven't figured out what all this means anyways. 
and we've had 2,000 years since the complete canon was given to us. Yeah. And we still have mysteries about it that nobody knows the answers to. So we definitely don't need more. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> For sure. So, uh, let's see. Um, I guess, Mason, we've come back full circle to you. I'll let you start off this question. This will be our last question of this episode. Is special revelation necessary for salvation? Uh, yes, I believe that it is. Um, where general revelation gives an awareness of God, gives an awareness of uh, of a creator, um, and, and gives us a kind of a general overview of, of maybe who God is or 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 what, I guess maybe what he is, um, it, it doesn't lay out the, the plan of salvation. That's, that is required um, and acquired only through special revelation. Uh, if you read Romans chapter 10, the, the whole text is 5 through 15, but I'm just going to read, let me see here, I can't remember, uh, 14 and 15. How then can they call on him who they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Uh, so what Paul is saying here is, how can anyone believe in something they haven't heard of? If their path to salvation is, I think I think I actually missed that. Yeah, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Sorry, I should have included that. So if, if, if they don't know on who to call, then how can they be saved? So in order for, for anyone to be able to, to reach the necessary um, qualifications for salvation, they have to know, you know, it says, you know, believe. Well, how can you believe if you don't know? Mm-hmm. Knowledge is required. It's, yeah. it's, it's a prerequisite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would, I, I would agree. I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I believe that, yes, you know, I, I think without, and I come from the perspective of man apart from God is 100% depraved. There, there is no way that they themselves can reconcile themselves into some sort of goodness in God's eyes. With that being said, without a special revealing through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit, a broken sinner, like what we all were once upon, what we still are, uh, a broken sinner will never come to the place of repentance um, they're so enthralled in their sins that it takes a special revealing to draw them out of that darkness and then bring them back into the light. Um, it, it takes a, a, a special revelation to, for somebody that is so consumed with themselves and so consumed with their sin uh, that that it brings them, you know, uh, out of God's favor and, and into God's favor. Yeah, I know that this can is kind of a sensitive subject to, to some extent because I mean it brings into a lot of questions. Um, I agree that yes, special revelation is required for salvation. Um, I think um, that's made evident. I mentioned um, Romans chapter one, and I, I focused on not. 19 and 20 before, but um, taking in uh, a little bit fuller context of 18 through 23, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man, uh, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And then where I stated before, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made. So they are without excuse. 
Um, and a little further, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the, of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so, you know, like I said earlier, um, God designed us with an intent to have a relationship with him. And so it's on every man's heart to, to have a desire to understand God. And, but what happens is we see God revealed, but then man makes up the difference with his own thinking in ways that are unrighteous to God. And so, um, you know, they make idle images of things to worship and are speculating of what could could be. But um, through the word, um, God has revealed the true way to salvation. Um, And, you know, I think where I said a lot of questions can kind of draw into this, you know, um, this people are kind of like, well, what about, you know, infants when they die or or people with mental disabilities and stuff. And, And while... I don't think scripture, you know, doesn't answer that black and white. Um, I think what uh, can be said is that by understanding the word and understanding the character of God, um, I think, and, you know, I cannot say this with 100% certainty. Um, and I think Parkway Church, I was look, they have some articles on it um, about like, you know, you know, what happens to infants when they die. They had, they kind of had an article on it and kind of spoke to it. But I think they, they put it pretty well is that you, by understanding the character of God, um, I think it can be said that, you know, God could have grace on those people that could not even comprehend the special revelation that's given. Because if, if you're not in a state that you can even comprehend the special revelation that's given, then how could you even understand to be saved in the in a sense and so while that's a, a sticky subject and i don't want to spend too much time there i mean i know that that's questions that can be brought up and it's um park i said parkway church i had an article on their website that addresses it pretty well um and then you know there's also um you know like acts uh, four twelve. it says um let's see here there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among which man may be saved. And so, you know, I think the Bible is very clear that it requires special revelation for us to have salvation. Um, and so those are just some, some areas to, to focus on, um, you know, so that you can kind of get a better understanding of that. But Yeah, yeah I mean, is there mercy and grace set aside for... Because it begs the moral question of... Um, what about those who have never heard the message of Jesus Christ? Which is a, a fair question for Christians. It's not really a fair question for um, for unbelievers for the main reason of you've turned it into a moral argument when you don't even believe in a moral lawgiver. So you, you have subjective moral reasoning. You have no basis or grounds for argumentation. But that leaves the question open and the argument open. Uh, for those who do believe in the moral lawgiver. And, I mean, you can look at various different places in the Bible. Uh, Acts 10 is a really good one. That's whenever um, Peter receives the vision to go speak to Cornelius, the Roman centurion, who was, by even though he was a Gentile, by merit of the Jewish law, he was a righteous man. But, through direction of the Holy Spirit and through an angel of the Lord, Peter had to go give him the message of salvation before the Holy Spirit, which would indicate salvation was administered to him. So, there's speculations 
and and such that can go into how much mercy and grace is extended to those who have never heard the message of Jesus Christ. We could go into that and spend all day arguing ifs and whens. But what I do know is certain is that the Bible teaches it is only through the merit and righteousness of Jesus Christ that a person can be saved. Everything else is either a mere assumption or speculation. The only thing that we know 100% is going to get people into heaven is faith and belief in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And Mm. so that should put the burden on us that if I'm not one of the ones bringing the mess... I mean, look at... Look at 2 Corinthians when Paul says we've been reconciled to God and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It's on us, not as pastors or Sunday school teachers. It's on us as the church, the universal church, to administer the good news of Jesus Christ. And that that should burden us to say and to think, if I am not preaching, who will go and preach? To these lost people, that they may, and they may inherit salvation. Not that they will inherit salvation. That's between them and God. But if I'm not the one preaching and bringing it to them, who would it be? Who would it be? So, you know, that should put a burden on us to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that are lost, because that's the only thing we can be sure will get them into heaven is knowing and accepting Jesus Christ. That's right. Amen. That's right. Well, guys, do y'all have anything before we peace out on this episode? I have nothing. I think we, I think we did a pretty good job. I think we covered it pretty we thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, we do appreciate you tuning in again for another episode. Uh, this next one, we will be looking at inspiration of Scripture, so we're excited for that. Uh, we love you guys, and uh, we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.